Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Once again, back here on the GM Shuffle with the traveling Michael Lombardi, still out on the road, plugging away. We've got a good story, Mike's got coming up about talking with Larry Brown, the legendary coach. Plus, what the hell are the New York Knicks doing to Spike Lee? The super fan not allowed in the building? What are we doing here? But of course, we're talking about Tua Tungavaliloa right out of the gate. Mike, every draft you say, this guy is fascinating. This player has upside. He could be drafted, you know, high first round. It could fall as far as this. Every year there's a guy, and this year Tua is that guy because reportedly, and I love the phrasing. There was an awkward energy at the combine during his meeting with the Dolphins on Wednesday. And according to a writer, uh, Safi Dean of the South Florida Sun Sentinel, a source said Tungavailoa left the meeting uncertain about whether the Dolphins are truly interested in selecting him number five overall and making him their franchise quarterback. The source added no one was excited. They didn't give any indication of he's their guy. He felt weird. Like, is this a joke? He's not turned off, but it's just weird. What do you make of this story, Mike? Well, I think you got to dig a little deeper here. So the reality of the combine is the combine's good for two things, right? I know we get all excited about the 40 times and Rich Eisen running and all that, but the combine is really good for medical and for testing in terms of psychological profiling and all that. And I think that Tua, when you look at this, and I've talked to two or three teams this week, after the physicals, and no one's going to talk about his health because it violates the HIPAA laws in the country. But obviously, there's some concern. And until we watch this player work out, okay, until we see him work out, I don't think he's passed anybody's physicals. I think there's a lot of apprehension about him. So when these guys put him in the first round and say he's definitely going in the first, I think you need to be real careful with that. I'm not saying he's not. I'm just saying I think it's just that I don't think he has a clean bill of health that the media has allowed us to think he has. And I think that's problematic for the kid. He can't control that, right? All he can do is try to heal himself. But he's dealing with durability issues that have cropped up everywhere, and he's dealing with a major injury that he suffered last year. And it's just not a walk in the park that he's completely healthy. Well, I remember being at that national championship game where he led them back, and you could see why there's such palpable excitement if you believe, as you said, he is fully healthy. Accuracy, anticipation, a big arm, he can scramble, intangibles, leadership, he's played for Coach Saban, he's won a title. Like, that That feels like a lock top five pick as long as he wins the medical. Listen, Adam Schefter even said that he thought Tua could be number one if he was healthy, but you're right. Ankle surgeries each of the past two seasons, you feel like it's an absolute no-brainer that Joe Burrow goes first, and Tua, I think, Mike, then it gets interesting, is he the second quarterback taken off the board, or does, I think Herbert goes ahead of him, maybe, maybe he's the third quarterback taken. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, you know, Herbert's a guy that has steadily risen since the Senior Bowl, and I've talked about it on the pod before, but, you know, he's been really good in the meetings with the coaches. He's been able to demonstrate a, a knowledge of his offense. His arm strength, his arm power is really good. He's steadily moving up the ranks, and, you know, I know that Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay have this bet going on that Jordan Love will get picked in front of him. Look, I think Jordan Love's a unique player. But I think Jordan Love's going to take a couple years before he develops into a starting NFL quarterback, if he does. The one thing I was listening to it the other day, and McShay said, you know, he's going to be a really good player depending on the development. And if he would have said that line in a meeting with Bill Walsh, I think McShay would have been decapitated at that point. That was one of Walsh's pet peeves. Like, what you're telling me, asshole, is you're saying – 
that this guy's really good, and the only way he's not good is if I fuck him up. That's basically what you're saying, right? <laughs> That's how Walsh took that sentence, right? That's funny. Whenever scouts use the word development, right? Whenever they use the word, well, he's going to be a really good player if you develop him. Walsh would be like, no, 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 no. Develop him. I mean, like, seriously, like, don't just put it all on us. Like, that's what scouts do. They just say, okay, we gave you great talent, but you don't develop them, so that's not on us. No, bullshit. You know, like, quantify the development. Quantify. And then, you know, if you just listen to the clip of Todd, and I like Todd. I've known Todd a long time. Todd's got every excuse known for the guy, and I wrote this column for The Athletic last week about bias. We talked about bias on the show, and everything he's doing is within bias framework, right? And so now it's on the coaches to develop them, and his bias is, well, you have to look at junior tape on the player. No, timeout. No player, you should look at any to every tape, you should be able to see the greatness of a player. And I'm not saying Jordan Love's not, but I know this, in talking to people that interview Jordan Love, talking to people that know Jordan Love, it's going to take a little bit of time. Will he be able to learn a complete package as a rookie? Probably not. It's going to take some development in terms of how well is he going to fit into the team, how hard is he going to work. I mean, we talk about this with Haskins, right? I mean, you've seen the stories now with Haskins that are coming out that a lot of the ex-Redskin coaches didn't think he was ready. Of course he's not ready. Hell, he left the field. He left the field halfway through the game. Nobody developed the player, right? And so is Haskins talented or is it the Redskins' fault because they can't develop him? Well, maybe it's Haskins' fault that he's not willing to be developed. There's a report out by someone, and I forget who the hell had reported it, that the Redskins coaches thought that Haskins had dyslexia. Well, I mean, shouldn't they have known that before? Shouldn't you have spent time with them in a room and said, okay, here's what we're going to do? That's why the Redskins are talking about drafting a quarterback because they don't think they have the answer with Haskins. And I don't know how you could think that. I know Redskins fans think that, but I don't know how you could think that. So to me – you know, this whole line about development, I mean, that would have sent Walsh completely off on a complete – and usually he never gets mad. He would never get mad. But when scouts would say development, and then 10 years later I'm in a room with Belichick, and it's like they – it was like they were talking to one another. I could still hear one of the scouts who passed away say, well, you know, this guy, he just needs a little bit of ref- – he called it refinement. And Belichick went berserk. Like, what the fuck? Are we gonna, who's refining him? Like, he either can play, we'll coach him better. All that is is a safety net for you to say, I had him graded right, but they didn't refine him. Refinement's hilarious. I, I, when I think of refinement, I think of refined sugar, right? Or some sort of elitist telling me, oh, there's an air of refinement. Like, no, I don't want refinement. I want a guy who's ready to go. I want a, a high motor, high IQ, high ability, et cetera. It's funny. You know, we talked earlier about that great documentary with Belichick and Saban. And, that, like, you know, coaches would call Saban and ask him about certain players. And it's like, well, yeah, like I, I'm going to tell you the truth. What do I care? I'm going to say, yeah, he's great, but his mom's a pain in the ass. Or he's got this or this issue. Like you, like you said, you've got to do your homework. For God's sakes, there's so much at stake with these picks that you've got to do your homework, right? Mike, how could you not be diligent up and top, especially for a number one pick? Right, and you hear Tua talk about his dad. His dad had a key pass to get into the Alabama facility anytime he wanted. But now his brother's there, so it's going to have to split time between teams. So how are you going to handle the dad? I mean, how are you going to handle him? He ain't getting a key pass to come in. Say the Patriots drafted him. You think he's getting a key pass to go into New England? I don't think so. <laughs> you know, he's not going to be my latex salesman. There's no chance, right? So, you know, I mean, like, think about that. What what comes with it? You know, what comes all involved? And then define the character of the player. And I think there's something. Look, I think this. I think in the next month, you know, we'll go back and listen to this podcast and people will say, you know, Lombardi doesn't know what he's talking about, medical. I, I think in the next month, Tuga's medical is going to be a concern for a lot of teams. Now, does that mean he's going to be off the board? 
I don't know. I don't know that yet. But I do know this. If you're picking in the top 10 with that kind of guaranteed money, and if the CBA goes to where it's going to go, you got to look long and hard because this could be a three-year investment. This could be a three-year investment. This could be a one-year investment. And you know what? It could be a 10-year investment because sometimes the medicals are wrong. But I think teams are going to look long and hard. And I think that's why Miami, to circle back to the story, I think that's why Miami behaved in an indifferent manner towards him because I'm not sure they think medically he can handle it. I think medically they're concerned overall for longevity of career, whether he comes back to the same player. See, we all think he just comes naturally back to being the player he was last year. Oh, he's going to be fine. No, unless you watch him run and work out, how do you even know? There's a medical grade and there's the playing grade off the medical grade. If you don't do both of those, you can't say. Just because a kid's coming back off of a knee injury, is he the same player he was? Or is it going to take him a year to get back? you got to calculate that into your evaluation. And if you're picking the fifth pick or the third pick in the draft, are you willing to go down that road and risk it all? I mean, that takes a lot of guts now. I couldn't agree more, Mike. And baseball happens all the time. A guy gets Tommy John, he's out for a year, and they go, okay, Tommy John for you, he'll be back next year. No, no, no. You can't just plug and play opening day next year, he's ready to go. The guy just had Tommy John surgery. It might take a year and a half to get back to shape. And like you said, you play your way into shape. Look at the NBA as a great example. Kevin Durant, okay, he's going to be out for a year. Year two, he's going to be fine. No, he may never regain that explosiveness he once had. Look at Greg Oden. Look at your boy Embiid, the injuries there. Like it's, I completely agree with you. Too often in sports, people go, all right, two is banged up. Once he gets back, he's going to go back to being who he was two years ago. There's no guarantee of that, which translates to the number one pick in Joe Burrow because, again, he does not have great arm strength, Mike, but the numbers he put up are so mind-boggling. He broke SEC passing records, you know, 5,671 yards, 60 touchdowns. He wins the Heisman. He was great all the way around. Got to be the no-brainer of no-brainers. He goes number one overall, right? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, and this whole notion that he uh, didn't want to play in the Bengals, I mean, that was a generated fake news story. I mean, he never said that. Now, maybe, you know, maybe his agent's trying to send it out there, but he never, the kid, look, if you know anything about Joe Burrow, he's a rank and file. You know, you tell him what to do, he's going to do it. He's going to, you know, you tell him to be somewhere at five o'clock, he's going to shoot. He's like Uncle Junior. You tell him to crap on the deck of the Queen Mary an hour later, they're hosing it down with disinfectant. That's Joe Burrow. I mean, right. he's going to do that, right? You know, he's going to listen just like Uncle Junior was going to listen to Dr. Kennedy. It's the same thing with this kids so you know I, I think there's no doubt I mean look if you talk to any of the kids on the LSU team or talk to any of the coaches they'll tell you Burrow was the most talented player now that doesn't mean he was the most athletic player but when you can win with your feet you can win with your arm and you can win with your mind there's the sky's the limit for you and he's going to make everybody else better and look the Bengals need somebody like that I'd never buy into this that you know Mike Brown's going to trade I don't care how much Duke Tobin's talking about doing things there's one man making decisions in Cincinnati his name's Mike Brown okay and Mike Brown's going to determine what he was and nobody's going to tell Mike Brown what to do Yes, you're absolutely right about that, which brings us to the guy who I think is very intriguing, Justin Herbert. If you just look at size, you mentioned the combat earlier, Mike. This is one of those guys you go, oh, my God, he's 6'6", 227, right? You said that is a gigantic frame. The ball flies in his arm. He's got plus mobility. You know, had almost 3,500 yards, 32 touchdowns as a senior, an intelligent guy. And maybe in other drafts, he'd be higher. But here it looks like he could be the second quarterback off the board. He could be the third after two. I think he's, I think, fairly safe ahead of Jordan Love, Jacob Easton, Jalen Hurts, the rest of those guys. But when you look at Herbert, who was a senior bowl MVP and a guy who a lot of people like, where do you see, I guess, not necessarily issues, but what would your concern be for Herbert? Because like I said, in terms of the numbers, he's great. 
Yeah, I mean, I think when you watch the Oregon tape, you're a little bit concerned. They have to field a lot. They didn't give him opportunities. He made some mistakes when you watched him play. You know, decision-making, it didn't seem like it. But just in terms of just innate skills. And then when he went to the Senior Bowl with some pro coaching, all of a sudden he got refinement, to use a, for, for the better term, right? And I think that the, I think this is a guy – I mean, just talking to people around the league and watching him play, everybody loves this kid. I think this kid's going to go earlier than most people suspect because right now all these mocks are done with based on bias determining who's in. You know, when you're talking about picking this early, you want a clean player. You want somebody who's going to be able to come in and play for you without really many ways of failing. So if you say, how would Herbert not be a good player? You know, you got to really sit and nitpick on that. If you ask that question about Tua, well, you say, well, he's just not going to stay healthy, right? So when you reverse engineer a draft pick, you know, if you said this with Jordan Love, okay, how's Jordan Love? Instead of saying, why is this player going to be great? You say, why would this player fail? There's a lot of answers for you on Jordan Love. There's a lot of answers, ammunition on Tua. There's not very much on Herbert. There's just not. You know, there's a lot on Eason. You know, there's not very much on Burrow. You could say, well, maybe he's arm strength. Well, okay. But to me, the best way to evaluate talent is not say what the guy is going to be able to accomplish is to reverse engineer it. Tell me why this guy wouldn't be a good player. And so, okay, to it, he gets hurt. He's got durability issues. He lacks size. He lacks the ability to come off this medical and play the same way. Those are three compelling things that make you worry, right? Let's talk about Jordan Love. Okay, regression into the senior year, didn't play very well, threw too many interceptions, took too many chances with the ball, had too many decisions off the field that affected his on the field. That's a concern. How well does he learn the offense? How can he present himself to be able to command in the huddle? All of a sudden, that's, I just gave you a bunch of things that could go wrong with Jordan Love. Now, you want to risk that? That's how you have to look at this thing. Instead of looking at why is this guy going to be great, tell me why this guy could fail. It's interesting. You're right. You don't want to be a pessimist, but it's, it's guarded. It's just being smart and kind of just looking at potential pitfalls rather than potential greatness, which, of course, you hope will happen. Before we go into Tom Brady talk, I obviously I know you were locked into the combine. When I, we've mentioned these names here, Jordan Love, Jacob Eason, Herbert, you know, any of these guys, Jalen Hurts, uh, Brian Lewerke, any of these guys, Mike, that you feel like after what you saw at the combine or what you've heard that their stock has been either hurt or helped? You know, I, I think Fromm's, you know, coming out early, I, I don't think that was smart. I think Eason is another player who looks the part, but there's some things that are just missing. You know, I think ultimately that's been the concern. You know, James Morgan's a guy that people are impressed with. I think there's a lot more work to do on these players. I think there's no doubt. I think you got to really fit the player, especially when you get past these top players. you got to fit the system to the player. What can he do, what his strengths are, you know, and obviously, everybody focuses on the powerful arm and the athleticism, but there's more innate to a quarterback. You know, Parcells believed in 23 starts. You had to have 23 starts. You had to have a winning record. You had to have a high level of completions, right? Your touchdown to interception percentage. Like, if you just do all the, the Parcells stats on quarterbacks, Jordan Love's not going to rank too high on that because he threw too many interceptions. You know, yes, he had starts, didn't win games. You know, you can talk about, well, he played good against LSU. Well, well do you think LSU really played their A players? Do they think they were really worried about playing Utah State that game? It's a whole different enterprise. It's like a guy who, you know, it's like playing basketball when a guy who has two fouls on him and he doesn't want to get the third, he doesn't play as good defense as the guy when he doesn't have any fouls on him. you got to take that into account when you're evaluating. 
No doubt about it. Uh, the games will continue as we try to figure out what exactly teams are going to do. And, of course, the biggest fish out there after the break, where the hell is Tom Brady going? He officially becomes a free agent this month. The rumor mill continues as to where he could go. There's a new team now in the mix. I have not asked Mike about this. Curious his thoughts as we continue here on the GM Shuffle. All right, anytime you're on the golf course, you always hear the phrase, hit it long and hit it straight. Well, as somebody who's a novice to the game of golf, a new person, I wanted to make sure I had the best equipment possible. So... As a novice golfer, I went and hit up our friends over at PXG because they have an all-new driver called the Black Ops. I mean, my man Chris over in Henderson has hooked me up with a phenomenal driver that's built to my game. My new game that doesn't really do much of anything on the course, but it has what I need in terms of the club head speed and the kind of grip that I need to go out there and be the best to my ability. I mean, this is music to ears to any golfer, whether you're a novice like myself or if you've been playing the game for decades. The PXG Black Ops driver is a breakthrough in driver technology. It's a complete and total victory in golf club engineering unlike anything you've ever seen before. Black Op drivers are adjustable to deliver a combined MOI of 10,000 plus for unreal forgiveness. That's just ridiculously high. So what you got to do Go check out the PXG Black Ops Driver. You'll be as impressed with it as I am. Learn more and get free shipping on all equipment at pxg.com slash gmshuffle and use code gmshuffle at checkout. That's pxg.com slash gmshuffle, code gmshuffle for free shipping on all equipment, pxg.com slash gmshuffle, code gmshuffle. You know, I love playing football. I love playing for this team. I love playing for this team for two decades and winning a lot of games. Again, I just, I don't know what it looks like moving forward, so we'll just take it day by day. Where the hell is Tom Brady going? All right, thanks to Nessa once again. The Tom Brady audio there in a little bit of production as we continue. Where in the world is Tom Brady going? This raised some eyebrows, Mike, as the worldwide leader will do. ESPN's Jeff Darlington reported Wednesday he would be, quote, stunned if Tom Brady went back to New England. Darlington also said Brady is looking forward to free agency, which is uncharted territory. I think we knew that. Uh, also, this report from Mike Reese, Tom Brady is currently operating under the belief he will enter free agency to play somewhere other than New England next season, a sentiment the quarterback has shared with others. While Brady has his eyes very clearly on free agency, there is still a belief in the circles that the Patriots will have their opportunity to convince him to stay. But at this this point, Brady is evaluating the NFL landscape with the intention of departing, sources said. For the record, my man Lombardi said at least a week, two weeks ago, look at the Raiders, look at the Colts. Now the team that's getting in their mic, rumors the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and head coach Bruce Arians. What do you think? I don't buy it. I really don't. I just think it's a bad mix. I think Brady's strength is being able to work the underneath game, to be able to control the game at the line of scrimmage, you know, make decisions. I mean, the, on the third level passing game, I mean, Bruce Arians is is not a guy that is about matriculating the ball. He wants explosive plays. He's willing to take chances. I don't see that as a fit. Now, the, the other rumor that's been circulating is the 49ers. I mean, and this has a lot of merit because, you know, the key grew up a 49er fan. And would he want to retire back home? The Niners, look, I think no matter what the Niners say, what Kyle says about Jimmy Garoppolo and John Lynch, I think ultimately that I think they would still rather have Kirk Cousins. So I could see the Niners making a move to get Brady, trading Garoppolo for an asset, right? And then knowing Kirk Cousins is going to be a free agent at the end of next year, sign Kirk Cousins. 
and move from there and end up getting what eventually what you want to have a short-term issue. Cause I think Kyle probably feels like, look, I can make, you know, whether it's Bethard or whether it's anyone else, I can make him into a good player and, you know, I'll draft another quarterback in the interim, but give me two years. We get away from Garoppolo's contract and we bring Brady in for two. We've got the cap room to do it. You know, I don't know. I mean, I don't think it makes sense. I do agree that Brady's going to test free agency. I don't think there's any doubt. And the longer the CBA vote takes to come to manifest itself as, as a possibility, I think that's a problem. I think it's going to be a difficult decision for them because they don't really know what they're working with. And they've got a lot of free agents. And at some point, if you're the Patriots, at some point, you're going to have to move on. At some point, you've got to take the Band-Aid off, right? You're going to have to move on. Do you move on now or do you move on a year from now or do you move on two years from now? I think the one thing you can always do to make yourself relevant all the time is sooner is always better than later. I agree. And I think the way it feels like is 60-40 he goes. Like he's just he's tempted to try something else. He's been there for a long time. He's taken a few hometown discounts. And if you're getting some love, I mean, this is human nature, Mike. You're getting love from other places and they're going to offer you more things when you're getting at home. You go, listen, I'm going to try something else. Okay, I've I've earned this right. As as you said, when you're testing phrasing, that means I've earned this right. I want to see what else is out there. And if I'm wooed and swayed by someone and I'm lured by, and it's not just money. Of course, money's important, but it's not just money. If he feels like Winning culture, if he wants to hang out with Vrabel in Tennessee, he wants to try to rebuild something. If he thinks Gruden in L.A. can bring some magic to the Raiders. Like there, there's lots of different motivating factors, but I just get the sense that Tom Brady is ready for a new sense of adventure at this point in his life. I do too, and I, and I think that look, the Niners are got to be appealing. They're really good on defense. You know, it's an offense that I don't think it really fits for Tom because it requires a lot of movement. But I think it's a lot of the throws that Tom wants to throw are within this package. A lot of pressures off them because they can run the ball. Uh, I mean, it, it is the perfect scenario for him. Although, you know, look, let's face it. I mean, when you Garoppolo's under center, you worry about his movement. When Brady's under center, you're not worried about the fake on the boot, which I think would be a factor. You know, one of the reasons the boot, Kyle's offense is so effective in the run game is, is because it's the only offense in football that the quarterback actually blocks somebody. So when the quarterback fakes a handoff and, and carries out a boot fake, the defensive end has to go with him, right? He's got to carry that fake out. So he essentially blocks that player. It's the only offense where the quarterback actually blocks someone. I don't think anybody's going to carry that fake out with Tom. They're going to say, no, just scream down the line. If he runs a boot, screw it. You know, we'll just play it on the fly. And so I think that would be different. I think this, I think that because we don't know what's the CBA is going on, and we do know that Tom opted out. I mean, the Patriots are carrying $13.5 million of debt, so we know this is going to move forward. I just think Tom's mindset is to explore and look around, and I think, frankly, he likes all the, the attention he's getting. He goes to Syracuse. He's got a, a posse of people with him. It's fun. I agree. I was like, if you've earned this right, you're the greatest player of all time, and people are fawning over you and giving you some love, there's nothing wrong with enjoying that and just wanting to see what's out there. That, I agree with you. He's, he's earned that right, and I'm curious to see what happens. In terms of what New England could do, though, there's this report from Ian Rappaport, NFL Network Insider, three potential suitors for Andy Dalton, including the Patriots, the Colts, and how about the Chicago Bears? By the way, thanks to Waddle and Sylvie. Great guys. ESPN 1000, they were mentioning me and you uh, when they were talking about Trubisky last week. My brother happened to be driving around. He heard it. He was so happy. So thanks to those guys. They are well aware, Mike, that you do not think Trubisky is the answer. And they're well aware of the fact that I said I think Ryan Pace is lying when he's talking about how good Trubisky has been. <laughs> the Bears have maintained Trubisky is going to be their starter, but also expressed a desire to upgrade depth at the position. The Colts, clearly, uh, Philip Rivers, you heard a lot of talk there as well because you know Jacoby Brissett, let's be honest, tough situation there with luck moving on. Brissett's not going to be 
an electrifying quarterback. And the Patriots, as you mentioned, they want to know what's happening with the CBA. So for let's put this here. Rather than guessing where Dalton's going, what's the best fit for him? Patriots, Colts, or Bears? You know, I, I would think the Bears because I would think the Bears could come in and say, look, you're not a starter. You know, we're going to let you compete. We need to rebuild your career. I don't see the Patriots spending 14, 15, 16 million. You know, I think they would rather have a cheaper backup. I could see the Patriots signing Marcus Mariota and Josh McDaniels saying, hey, look, I, I liked him coming out. I think I could fix him. I think he's going to be a better player. We got Mariota. We got Jarrett Stidham, even though, you know, these two guys don't essentially replace Brady. I see that. I think the Colts, they like Brissett. He's under contract for another year. I think they're going to draft a guy that they're comfortable with. And I think Phillip Rivers is that bridge player for them. I think he makes more sense. You know, plus Frank Wright probably feels like, look, I can fix the player. Add Nick Foles into this equation. Like, where's Nick Foles going to go? The problem with Nick Foles is, and we'll talk about Jacksonville later, is Nick Foles, they owe him $15 million of guaranteed money. Uh, Try to trade that contract. Try to trade that bad boy. You know, you're going to have to pay $15 million a gar- Here, please take our guarantee. And then they lose, I think, 11 or $12 million on their cap by making this trade. I mean, so add him into this mix. I-, I think Chicago would be the right place for Dalton because I think he could go in there and operate that offense. And, you know, they could sell that as, well, we just wanted a really good backup behind the MVP Mitch because we love MVP Mitch. Even though I think if we gave Ryan Pace a lie detector test and put him on there when he went to the press conference, the thing would be just skewing left and right, right? Like, there's no chance. Like, you know, he, you know he's not telling the truth. But here's the thing I think it's funny, though, AD, is what's going to happen with Mitchell when they sign Andy Dalton? He's not going to be happy. They're going to have to have counseling for him. He's going to have to have this. We have to bring in team. We're going to have to send him to Vienna to help hold his hand and make sure everything's okay till we still love him because we can't yell at him because we don't want him mad, you know? Everybody gets a turn at bat. Everything's going to be fine, Mitchell. Don't worry. It'll be fine. You'll still be our starter no matter how many balls you throw in the dirt. You know what he needs? A little refinement. That, that's definitely the word of the podcast. <laughs> refinement. Bingo. Bingo. <laughs> One more for you. Since you mentioned Nick Foles, I, I saw there was a clip. I don't know if you saw this. on uh, I think it was on Get Up this week. Mike Tannenbaum was saying the Eagles should sign Nick Foles, and, and Dan Orlovsky was just appalled by this. But, but the Jaguars, I mean, they, they just traded the cornerback, A.J. Bouye, to the Broncos for a fourth-round pick. What do you make of this move here? I don't know how, look, everybody says you pick on David Caldwell. You're jealous of David Caldwell. I'm not jealous of David Caldwell. What I'm jealous of David Caldwell is his ability to not get any heat. I mean, if you've shopped for the groceries and you've made the dinner and the dinner stinks, I mean, since 2011, other than one year, they've had double-digit losses. Now, Caldwell's been there since 13. Like, he signed Bouet. I mean, like, he could say, well, Tom Coughlin did it or that guy did it. No, you drafted Blake Bortles and you survived. Like, I don't understand how this guy survives. After all these moves, you know, we trade for this guy, we do this. Like, how does he look in the mirror and say, you know, I really know what I'm doing? I really know what I'm doing. Like, I'm really building this team the right way. Like, it's you wonder why they can't win in Jacksonville? Like, they're not even honest with themselves. Like, they're firing the players, but they don't fire the guy who signed the players. Like, at some point, when do you just – it just dawn on you to say, wait a minute, we need a change here. Like, okay, let's give Caldwell more draft picks. Let's see how that works out for him. <laughs> you know, we've already seen how that works out. We're going to have double-digit losses. He just signed Nick Foles. Now you want to trade Nick Foles? Well, he picked Gardner Minshew. Okay, let's – you know what I want to do? I'll bet the under on Jacksonville wins next year. I'll bet the under. You know, like when he repairs his team, I'll go under. It's a joke. It's, and I marvel at his ability to con everybody, including himself. 
It's definitely a mess down there. Speaking of the great cons, Shad Khan right now in Jaguars, not working out. Uh, coming up next, two great topics, as a matter of fact. What the hell is going on? Spike Lee and the Knicks, plus the Lions are a mess. And I want to hear some stories from Mike about talking with the legendary coach, Larry Brown. That's next. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, the second round of the playoffs have been absolutely phenomenal, and if you really like a team, you can bet on them for the futures markets, maybe some conference finals MVPs as the conference finals approach, or how about NBA finals MVP? And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code shuffle that's code shuffle for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks only on DraftKings the crown is yours gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia visit www.1800gambler.net in New York call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 in Connecticut help is available for problem gambling call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance, see dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. We'll open up the GM Shuffle mailbag in just a second, but first off, Joe's question of the week. What do you got for us, Joe? So, just some brief context, but on Monday, Director Spike Lee went to the New York Knicks game at Madison Square Garden. He came through his normal entrance that he claims that he had been using for the last 28 years, which is the employee's entrance. When he got there, they asked him to leave the building and go to a supposed VIP entrance two blocks away. He now claims he's being harassed by owner James Dolan, and he doesn't know why. My question to you guys is, who's in the right here, Spike or James Dolan? Spike Lee has been the most loyal Knicks fan through all this misery of losing. They're a hopeless, hapless franchise, and he's there every time supporting the Knicks, giving them love. He's a prominent director. He's an Academy Award winner, for God's sakes. I mean, Spike Lee is somebody, he's a brand unto himself, and he helps that brand, which is the New York Knicks, and they're a laughing stock, and you're going to turn your back on the number one fan over at an entrance. Think about how preposterous this is, Mike, that it's not like he was being unruly or obnoxious or difficult. He went through an entrance, which he normally does, and he said, actually, we'd like you to go to a different entrance two blocks away. Who cares? Why does it matter? This is like when Charles Oakley He's one of the faces of the Knicks franchise got into it because a security guard was harassing him. James Dolan, please stop. Mike, this is nonsense. It's unbelievable. I mean, like, look, who gives a shit what door he comes through? Seriously. And you know what? If you're paying $300,000 a year for tickets to the shitty Nick team, come through any door. Come through the owner's door. You talk about, you know, nitpicking about shit that doesn't matter. Like, what doesn't really matter? Like, this is the kind of things. You're focusing on where Spike Lee enters the game as opposed to how about focusing on building a better team? Like, to me, where is common sense? It's clearly not in New York. Like, it's not. Like, we really want to make a big issue out of this. Hey, Spike, just come through the back door. No big deal. Like, and you know what? If anybody else bitches about you coming through the back door, you know what we'll tell them? It's your door. 
You put the door in, you paid for it. Like, seriously, like, if you want to put a door in, feel free. Spike put this door in so we're, so Spike's allowed to use it. Like, at some point, how stupid is it? Like, unbelievable. I thought the other news of the day that I, I'm very happy to hear is, is my man Tommy Tuberville has advanced to the Alabama Senate runoff. I, I'm surprised he hasn't called yet to discuss this with me. I'd like to go out there and campaign with him. Nice. You know? I wasn't sure if we were going to get any Super Tuesday conversation. I mean, big day for Biden, but I like it. Tommy Tuberville in. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, I've been waiting for him to call me on his football knowledge. I know he's been busy running for Senate, so maybe when we're on the campaign trail, we can sit on a bus and talk about some of that pass <laughs> offense at Auburn. It'll happen at some point. Maybe we'll get Tommy Tuberville to email us. All of you can email us at thegmshuffle at gmail.com. This one here from Ryan Mike. My question is, how much does an owner help or hinder a team? Are you kidding? Look at, look at the Dolan. Disaster. As a frustrated Lions fan, the only consistency with the Lions organization seems to be losing in the forwards. We see James Dolan hurting the Knicks. Are the forwards hurting the Lions? Mike, this is like, I mean, candy to a child. The forwards are the worst. They're the James Dolan of the NFL. They're horrendous. And they're nice people, and they just let things go too long. They just have too many people in their ear. They listen to bad advice. You know, they're really – they want to be patient, but they don't understand what's being patient. You know, if you're lost, patience doesn't work for you, right? If you're lost, patience doesn't work. If you're going in the right direction, patience works. So they just have too many people in their ear, and they listen to people within their organization. I mean, this has been the mistake for years in Detroit. They just hire the wrong people. They hire people they're comfortable with, and they just haven't got it right. And I think at some point they should hire somebody they're uncomfortable with, somebody who's going to be able to change the whole tenor of what they do. but they won't do that because they're very corporate. They're very, we're going to do what's best for the league. And they're really, you can blame the Ford, the Firestones, you can blame all of them, but they listen to the league office. And when you listen to the league office, who's only concerned about catching the five o'clock train, you're just about the same thing. You're on the five o'clock train too. I know. It's just, and like you said, they're nice people. That's what makes it worse, right? When they're actually good people, you're like, man, you know what? They're really nice people. They're caring. They give, they're great to their employees. I mean, they're everything you want in an organization, except they listen to the wrong people. Frustrating when that happens. All right, before we stick the landing, uh, you were doing some research for the next book, which we all know is going to be outstanding and a bestseller, and you talked to the legendary Hall of Fame coach, Larry Brown, which is amazing to me because you as a lifelong Sixers fan, uh, the, the amount of stories I hope you got out of him about Allen Iverson. Oh, they're just, I mean, he's, first of all, you know, he's in his late seventies, maybe early, he's sharp as a tack, you know, and I, and I think the one thing I learned from Larry in the, in the three hours we spent talking about all sports is, it really comes down to the basics. It comes down to the things that matter the most. I mean, listening to him talk was like I was listening to Belichick or Walsh. I mean, how he sees the game, what you have to do to be able to win the game. I mean, he made this point to me. You know, people run plays, but they don't teach the players how to execute within the play. We hear this all the time in the NFL. You know, how do you set a pick? How do you set a screen? Where do you have to deliver the ball? The details within the play. People steal plays. I mean, he was as sharp as could be, and as as I was walking away from him, I said, you know, coach, it, it, it's funny. Everybody has a different point of view of how to get there. But when they end up, when they arrive, success always looks the same. And that's really ultimately. And his ability to see around the corner, his ability to understand the non-obvious is powerful. Like I don't know how a team – college team. I mean, all the man wants to do is help somebody. I mean, it's all he wants to do. He wants to be able to help somebody. He doesn't need a job, doesn't want a title, doesn't want to get paid. He wants to help somebody. Like, how you couldn't have him sitting on your bench at a program. Like, if I was somewhere near here, you know, he's in Charlotte, so obviously he's near a bunch of schools. All he wants to do is just go in and help. And here's the factor, and I told him this, his ability to help, the reason he's not is because he would not confirm bias. 
So, like, if say if, if Ryan Pace really wanted to know what's wrong with the Bears, ask me to write a report for him because I have no bias, right? If you want to know what's wrong with the Charlotte Hornets or you want to know what's wrong with the Atlanta Hawks, ask Larry to write a report for you because he has no bias. But people are too scared to do that because they don't want to hear the truth. They really don't want to, they don't want anybody talking to them about their bias. Well said, man. It's confirmation bias, as we've discussed before, and obviously Larry Brown, legendary coach. So I look forward to all the stories you're going to get out of him, of course, in the upcoming Michael Lombardi uh, second book, which will be out as hopefully at some point. This was good stuff. As always, you can tweet us uh, individually, M. Lombardi NFL, Adnan S. Furick. Uh, be sure you email us, the GM Shuffle. Subscribe, rate, review, and Apple Podcasts. Mike will be back home next week. Hope the house will be ready to go. Another great podcast next week coming up. You bet. You bet.